We are just tailing the, um, the, a series that we've got going on right now um, called Wasted. And, and I say this joke every week, and honestly, it's getting a little bit old, but I just think it's funny. Um, so the, 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 we decided, you know, man, it's mid-football season, you know, and at the, t- on the same time, um, you know, there's just kind of it happened at the same time as, ha- as Halloween is. We thought, you know, what would be the perfect name for a series to just talk about, you know, in the middle of football season? Wasted, you know. And so and on the other side of that, there's Halloween that happens, which is everybody's, you know, time for a one-night spring break where everybody dresses up. And, and I'm sure, you know, you guys are Christians, so none of you did this. But everybody dresses up in very wholesome costumes, as I'm sure you're familiar with, you know. I know many of you were um, prayer bunnies, you know, very wholesome prayer bunnies. And guys, this is like your, uh, you've been working year long round to, um, to get some gains in, you know, you've been hitting the buys and the tries, you know, for, real hard. Um, and so for Halloween, you decided to uh, just cut the sleeves off your shirt and just really, you can be anything at that point. I'm like a stud lumberjack, you know, you're just, it's like lumberjacks wear sleeves. I don't know if you've ever seen a lumberjack or not. Or, you know, some of you guys, you went, you went biblical, you just wore no shirt and it's like, I'm Adam, bro. It's like... No, you're not. You're, you're, you're just a loser. That's what you are. So anyway, so we decided to launch this series called Wasted. And, and jokes aside, the reason that we decided to launch this series called Wasted is real simple. It's because you and I have the exact same tendency, regardless of what you believe, regardless of where you are, you know, in terms of your belief and your faith, that we all have a tendency to be wasteful in different parts of our lives. And really the, 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 the core of this series is simple. It's how to waste your, or how to spend your life and not waste it. How to spend your life and not waste it. To tease that out a little bit. It's how to spend your life intentionally and not waste it unintentionally because no one starts out and says I just want to waste massive things or massive parts or massive areas of my life but generation after generation there are people that get to their life maybe they're 40 they're 50 they're 60 years old perhaps on their deathbed and at some contemplative time maybe you've done this as a college student maybe you've done this in kind of the working world if you're in the marketplace now but you've looked back and you said man I wasted fill in the blank with whatever you wasted I wasted so much time. I wasted so much ability and so much potential. I wasted so much money. I mean, you can fill in the blank with whatever you have. And so what we want to do is kind of go over some major areas of our lives that we think for all of us, again, regardless of where you are in terms of belief, we all have a tendency to be wasteful in. And so week one, we talked about this, time, time. How do we spend our time wisely and not waste it unintentionally? Again, because nobody, nobody ever decides, I'm just going to waste this season of my life. I'm just going to waste this next week of my life. We've all looked back at incredible amounts of time that were wasted. And what, what Adrian, Pastor Adrian talked about when he came was so insightful. He said, the thing that was incredible about Jesus, the thing that was incredible about Jesus is Jesus was able to go from place to place to place, never wasting time. Because the thing that Jesus understood was how to be fully present. And in order to really leverage the time that you have here on planet Earth, you have to be fully present with wherever God has you, which is very difficult for us because we can have all kinds of people around us and not be fully present where we are. Maybe you experience this. You go home and you got your whole family around and you're going to do this at Thanksgiving and you're going to have, you know, grandma's going to be there and, you know, a puppy came to my mind is going to be there you know you're going to have some, some you know some stuff around some people around some people you love and you care about and you're going to have you know all this you know the, this family around and the whole time we're going to be on social media looking at everybody else's thanksgiving and hashtag thankful and you know you're going to look and see what everybody else is doing and, and, it, and it happens all the time that we go to places we're at a job and we're not thinking about the job that we have we're thinking about the job that we want you're in a city, we're not thinking about the city where we are, we're thinking about the city that we want to be in. We all have a tendency when it comes to our time specifically to be wasteful because we're not 
present. And in order to fully leverage your time, the time that God's given you here on planet Earth, you have to be present wherever you are. And then last week, we talked about money. And we talked about how at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's some assumptions that you and I have about money. And the assumption is basically an income assumption. It's that the more I make, the happier I'm going to be. The more I make, the happier I'm going to be. And study after study shows, once you have enough money to pay your bills, your happiness, your satisfaction doesn't go up with your income. But you know what does? Your appetite for more. And here's what's interesting. We think the more that we make, the more we can spend, and the more we can spend, the happier we're going to be. But what we've experienced is the exact same thing the Bible talks about, which is that the more you make, the more your appetite grows. And there's this other thing that grows as you make more and as you have the ability to spend more. Oftentimes, your worry grows because you have more to worry about. You've got more to lose. And so Paul, or not Paul, I'm sorry, Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, gives some insight at the end, basically say, hey, you, you, you are a manager. You are a manager. You are a manager. There's a category of money management. There's a category of life as it relates to money and God that many of us overlook, that God has given you stuff, that you are a rich person. Whether you want it to realize or not or you realize or not, just by international standards, because you live in the country that you live in, you are rich. And once you realize you're rich, you should never feel bad about being rich. But you should realize that God has given you. God has given you material wealth to manage. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. But you should always feel responsible with it. And so we gave you some homework. And we said, hey, you know, if you're really going to be a manager, if you're really going to be a manager of, of God's money, in the same way that I would say this would be how I would want you to manage my money or you would want me to manage your money, you'd first you'd have some goals. So we gave you a little worksheet. And at the top of it, we had some, with some, some savings goals and some giving goals. You should have goals. And then we said, just like any money manager... You should know where it's going. Because if I gave you my money to manage, or if you gave me my, your money to manage, and I came back and said, I don't have any more, I'd want to say, well, where did it go? And so we gave you a little sheet. And so we're going to do like a little uh, 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 hand raise here in a second. All right, so we're gonna, my, my goal was to get 10% of the people, 10% of the people, and if you weren't here, then, then you don't have to raise your hand because you're kind of exempt from this. Um, but I gave you a sheet, and I said, track your spending, track your spending for one week. So... In a second here, I want everybody who did that to raise your hand. So this is going to be like praise report time or, you know, prayer request if it doesn't go well. Now, let me give you a little cheat sheet. If you already do this, you can raise your hand anyways. You know, you can say I'm ahead of the curve. So, all right, every head bowed, every eye closed, you know. I'm just kidding, not really. All right, so if you, <laughs> if anybody in the room wants to track their money. Anyways, so, all right, if you did that, if you did that this, this one week, I'm going to peer in the light so I can see just how successful we are, all right? So if you did that, if you tracked your, exp- your spending for one week, you set a couple goals, all that kind of stuff, I want you to raise your hand on the mark, get set, go. Make me proud, people. Look at you guys, man, the solid 19. All right, that, that, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. All right, now, so here's where we're going this week. Here's where we're going this week, and again, and again, the reason that we're talking about this, the reason I'm talking about this, is we don't want anybody to get to the end of their life, halfway through their life, you know, two-thirds, a quarter of the way through their life, and look back and say, I wish, I wish, I wish, I would have leveraged my time, leveraged my money. And today what we're going to talk about is leveraging your talents better. And here's why I say that. Because what we believe 
is that you have one shot here on planet Earth. You've got one shot to leverage your time here, to leverage your resources here, and this morning to leverage the gifts and the abilities that God has given you to fully realize your God-given potential and to fully glorify God with that potential. Because here's what we believe. Every one of you has a gift. Every one of you has something that you're good at. Every one of you has something that maybe you have an opportunity, maybe you have a step ahead, maybe you have something that you're better at than everybody else. Every one of us, you know, regardless of what it is and whether you've ever thought about it in a spiritual sense, you have something that you're good at. You have something that all your friends look at you and say, I wish, maybe sometimes they don't say I wish, they wouldn't say this because they're your friends and that's kind of a weird thing for a friend to say. But at some point they look at you or they think, I wish I was as good as them, as that. Or you see other people and other people have a tendency to struggle with what's easy for you. For instance, maybe you're in math class. And you're sitting there and you're learning and you're learning and you're learning and you're learning about statistics and you're learning about probabilities, you know. That's about as far as I'm going to get in my math lingo before I embarrass myself, you know. Perhaps the teacher draws a parabola on the board, you know. And you're looking at that and you're like, I get parabolas. And everybody's like, what? How do I spell that, you know. And so, it, but, but for you, here, now here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. Woven into the, 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 the core ministry of DCC, our core belief, we have our, our mission statement, which is to love God, make disciples, be great neighbors. But we have a strategy attached to that. And our strategy is simply this, that we believe every single person, every single person has a God-given gift that they can use and they can leverage to do something extraordinary for the kingdom of God. And by extraordinary, we don't mean big. We just mean there's something that's your extraordinary you're better than most people. For some of you, it happens in the medical field. I mean, stuff that happens as it relates to the human body and how the human body works and correlates with other parts of the human body, you just get. It just makes sense to you. For some of you, it's in business. I mean, there's business principles, there's business ideas, there's equations that, man, they're just simple for you. For some of you, you know, it's just administration. You can organize things that I would never dream of organizing. You can look at somebody's, you know, life. You can look at somebody's accounts. You can look at somebody's closet, let's be honest, you know. And you can organize it. You can arrange it. But for all of us, here's what we believe. You have a gift. And whether you've ever thought about that gift having a spiritual connotation or not, what we believe is that God has given you a gift to leverage for your time here on planet Earth. And one of the ways that we all have a tendency... To unintentionally waste our life is wasting the potential and the talent. Not fully leveraging the gift and the talent and the ability that God has given you. So in Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking. And he's talking to his disciples. And as he's talking to his disciples, he's kind of towards the end of his ministry. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know that, that Matthew ends at about chapter 28 and chapter 25. Jesus is giving some departing words. And as he's talking, he doesn't, you know, as Jesus often didn't say, so this is what I'm saying. He just says, here's a story. So he talks in a couple parables. And in his parable, he talks about this guy who's going to go away for a while, this master that's going to go away for a while. And the, and the imagery there is Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to go away for, for a little while. I'm here for now. And I'm coming back. But there's going to be this intermediate period that you're going to live in, that we currently are living in. And he gives his disciples some instructions for what to do while he's not physically 
present. And in that, gives us a window into how he wants us to use and leverage our gifts. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, Jesus talks. We're going to be at verse 14. It's the parable of the talents. Some of you might, might have heard this story before. So this is how it goes. He says, verse 14, for it will be like, in other words, while I'm gone, while I'm gone, this is what it's going to be like. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Now, a couple things that's interesting about this. Number one, when he talks about talents, that's not they're like, you know, the things that they're good at, like America's got talent, like your little dance thing. When he talks about talents, he's talking about money specifically. Now, a talent, just to give a frame of reference, this was about an average day laborers. This was 20 years worth of work for them. If you just saved every penny that you got, this is about 20 years. So to kind of monetize it to our, you know, current day and age, if you make about eight fifty an hour and you work 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, and you do that for 20 years, you're going to make about $350,000. So one guy, he gives $350,000 times five, which if you're an accountant, do that math for us. But it's over a million dollars. So he gives one dude over a million dollars. He gives another guy, you know, he gives him about $600,000, $700,000, something like that. And one about $350,000. Now here's what's interesting. And here's what you've experienced. Some people have been given more. Some people, because of what they were born with, some people because of where they were born, some people, because of the family that they were born into, you started with more. And for many of us, we see that. And we see what somebody else has, and we see what somebody else is born with. We see the opportunities. We see that somebody had an internship that they just kind of lucked their way into. And because they had this incredible network of people, and they have this incredible amount of opportunities that you just don't have access to. And for many of us, for many of us, let me just pause and say this. One of the reasons we're going to find out that we don't leverage our talents and our abilities well is because we are always wishing we had what's and not leveraging what we currently have. But what we're going to find out is me leveraging what I currently have will ultimately determine the responsibility and the level I end up on because it's not equitable. And that's your life experience. It's not equitable. You got a friend or they're just unbelievably talented. You got a friend who perhaps they're unbelievably gifted. You got a friend who perhaps they're unbelievably connected. And it just is what it is. Let me just tell you. You are responsible for you. You are responsible for you, and that will ultimately determine, is what we're going to read here in a second. So he says, okay, one got five, one got two, one got one. And he who had received the five talents, verse 16, went at once and traded with them. And he made five more. So all, <laughs> yeah, that's a good return on investment for who did that whistle. Appreciate it. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I made you five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, 
You delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will, see you over, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also who received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. The guy with one talent looks and basically says, Master, here's the reason. Here's my excuse for not leveraging. Here's my excuse for not investing. I know you gave it to me, but I also know you. And so here's my reason why I didn't do more with what I had. And here's what's interesting. Most of us in some realm or some area of life have a list of reasons or a list of excuses as to why we don't leverage our gifts more. And let me just tell you, especially the younger you are, probably the more this is true. Most of us don't leverage our gifts now because we're thinking of how we're going to use our gifts in the future. Most of us don't leverage our gifts now because we're thinking about how we're going to use them in the future. When Adrian, again, when Adrian talked a few weeks ago, he said most of us, the reason we leverage our time right now is because we're always looking at the next season of life and wishing we were there. When you're single, you're wishing you were married. When you're married, you're wishing you had kids. When you have kids, you're wishing you were single, you know? Just kidding. You're wishing your kids were older, and then you're wishing you retired, and when you retire, you're wishing you had more time. I mean, everyone is just in, in, this, in this continual process, the cyclical process of wishing and wishing and wishing they were a place where they weren't currently. But let me tell you, for many of us, for many of us, we waste so much time, and we waste so much of our ability because we wish we had a different skill set. We wish that we were more connected. And we wish that we were a step, ahead, a step ahead like perhaps someone that we know. And let me tell you, of course, if all of us could read a defense and throw a football like Jameis Winston, we would all be a couple steps ahead right now, right? But we're not. We, we're Sean McGuire. Thank God we're not Everett Golson anymore, you know? But for us, here's the reality. Here's the reality. We have a tendency. We have a tendency to not leverage where we are. And for some of you, you're young. You're young. And God has placed you where you are, whether you realize it or not. See, the thing is, is for many of us, especially when you're young, you look out across the landscape of your life, and you don't think that what you're doing right now maybe is that meaningful. That perhaps, you know, let's, just, let's take an example. Perhaps you work for Chick-fil-A, which, thank God for you, first off. And second off, if you were open on Sundays, we would still consider you a Christian. But you, you work at Chick-fil-A, and you work the drive through You know, and, and here's the thing. Oftentimes, because you're not, I mean, you know, you're, you're an accounting major. You're, you know, a, a pre-med major. You're a whatever major you are. You're thinking, well, I'm not going to use this. Let me just tell you. God has you there reason to leverage your time and your abilities while you're there if you work the drive-through own the freaking drive-through you know i mean you should be like the king of that's my pleasure 
the queen of that's my pleasure, you know. People come through and like, they don't have to say thank you because you know preemptively they're going to say thank you when you give them napkins. And let's just, let's just all agree to this. You should give them more ketchup because nobody ever did anything significant in the world with one packet of ketchup. Give them at least like five, you know what I'm saying? Just like, I mean, come on, you should own it. You should be in here and here's why. Because God is going to use that time and that process in your life to develop the character, to develop the integrity, to develop the work ethic, for you to find your skill set while you're doing what you find is menial. You feel like it's remedial. You feel like you could be doing so much more, and you might be right, but here's what happens. God looks at these people and said, okay, you got this one guy one, this one guy two, and this one guy five, and yeah, the one that guy got to have five came back, and he had ten, but the one that had two came back, and he had four. And I'm going to ask him to reinvest that four, and that four is going to turn into eight, and that eight is going to turn into 16, and that 16 is going to turn into 32, and that 32 to 64, and that 64 to whatever you want to multiply that into. And here's, here's what happens. God, God, God is going to use that, wants to use that, and will use that. But if we aren't diligent with where God has us right now, with the gifts that he's given us, because we're so focused on something else, we end up like the third guy who makes excuses and comes back. Perhaps you're a little bit farther on in life. Perhaps you're in the middle of this. And you're wishing you were somewhere else. You were wishing you were with somebody else. You were wishing that maybe you were doing something else. God has you here for a reason. And you can probably, you can probably speak more intelligently about this than I can. Because you've looked back and you can look back. You have the teacher of time that allows you to look back and see perhaps time. That you could have done more. That you could have invested more. That you could have helped more. That you could have leveraged what God has given you more. And you, you don't have time to waste. In fact, let me, let me just end by saying this. Not end by saying this. I got a lot more to talk about. Just kidding. Let me say this. Especially if you're kind of finishing and going towards the edge of your career. The edge of what you would consider, you know, meaningful, productive time. Let me just tell you, you have so much to offer. There are so many people that you can influence in the next generation. There is so much that you can pour in. There's so much value. There's so much worth that you have in this next generation, whether they realize it or not, are in desperate need of what you know. But for all of us, We can look across, and we can have reasons, and we can have thoughts. But God is essentially saying this. When you invest, when you leverage your times and your gifts and your ability, when you are diligent with the little that you have, you will be given more. Now, let me tell you how this worked out in my life, in our church. When I first um, got involved in ministry, 
you know, at this point, you know, we all kind of have thoughts about, well, let me say this first. We all kind of have thoughts about, you know, especially if you're thinking about maybe I'm going to go into full-time ministry at some point, and you feel like you've got a gift to speak, or you feel like you've got a gift to lead worship, and you're just sitting there saying, if someone, you know, would give me a shot, you know, and I could speak in front of a thousand people, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're so good, you know. Ben, don't be the pastor anymore. Let's let Johnny be the pastor, you know. Don't let Will lead worship. Let's, you know, let's let the guy lead worship. Well, here's, here, here's how this worked out for me. When I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school, I felt a call to vocational ministry. When I felt a call to vocational ministry, I felt like that was in some type of a speaking capacity, some type of an upfront capacity. So in a senior in high school, I prayed a prayer. And I said, God, I feel like that's a position where I could easily glorify myself. So I don't want to pursue this on my terms. I only want you to give this to me when I'm ready for it. So God, just whenever you're ready, whenever you want me to, I will start down that road. Which many of us would think, okay, I pray that prayer. And about you know, a month later, two months later, God's like, okay, it's time. Let me tell you, for three years, I didn't speak anywhere. Three years, no invitation, no Ben, will you lead this Bible study? No Ben, will you lead this ministry? Nothing, nothing. After a year, most of us will start to question our calling. But during that time, let me tell you what I did. I didn't have the intuitiveness to be able to say, I'm going to invest, I'm going to invest, I'm going to invest. I was just so fascinated with the way that people spoke and the way people communicated. The way someone could put on one of these little things and motivate a group of these people to go do something and live for the kingdom of God fascinated me. So I listened to different people speak. I listened to all my favorite pastors before. Listening to your favorite pastors was cool. I said, how in the world does John Piper, who, who communicates completely different than Andy Stanley, who completely communicates different than, than, than Francis Chan, because those are like the kind of the main guys, different than Louis Giglio, which is just off the wall guy, you know, how do all these people communicate so differently, but yet so effectively? What are they all, what's the commonality that they all have in their introduction? How do they teach through a text so that the text is the backbone of the entire thing, not here's all my ideas and here's one verse to support it? How do they teach through the Bible? And then how do they inspire people? And I learned, and I learned, and I learned. And then one day, I went on a mission trip, or love at work. And I got to hang out with some high school dudes. And I was hanging out with high school dudes. We came back, and they fired their youth pastor. And they brought me on as just an interim intern to spend time with people, to spend time specifically with high school guys and maintain their relationships. And as we did that, um, they said, we have a need. We want someone to teach Sunday school, which if you know in church world, that's like the lowest of the low, you know? That's why we don't have it, you know? Just kidding. They said, we want someone to teach Sunday school. And I thought, you know, everyone else was like, I don't want to teach, you know, that, that sounds terrible. But to me, to me, for three years, I've been sitting there learning and learning and learning, and I've been researching and researching and researching, and I've been watching and watching and watching, and all of a sudden, someone's going to give me, you know, an hour to do whatever I want, to talk about whatever I want. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like my dream right now. And here's the good thing. If I'm bad, they don't want to be here anyway, you know? They're going to come back because their parents brought them. So I got a returning audience, regardless of how good or bad I am this is perfect so I started to speak and I started to work on it and I started to learn what things connected what things didn't connect after a little while and I was an intern there for a year and a half something like that I got an opportunity many of you guys are familiar with a guy named Dean and Sarah he's the pastor of at City Church good friend of mine mentored me through high school when it came to um youth ministry he got the job at First Baptist being the youth pastor and he called me up and said I want you to run my middle school group I learned, I learned from Dean so much, 
so much about how to program. I mean, the dude is phenomenal at programming a Sunday morning experience. I mean, he just, there's no one I think like him in Tallahassee who does that good of a job. I learned how to lead a lot of ways from him and do a lot of things from him. And I ran the middle school group, and he ran the high school group. And one day he called me into his office after about a year and said, Ben, I don't know if you're interested or not, but the church I used to be a pastor at, or used to be a pastor at, the church I used to go to is looking to hire their first full-time youth pastor. And I said, sure. I'll go meet with the guy. I'm not really looking to do anything, to leave anywhere. And I met with the guy, got the job, became the youth pastor of the strongest five-kid youth group in America. <laughs> and here's what happened. Some of you were there. We went from five kids to 60 kids to 100 kids to in about four years, about 300 kids to where our Sunday night services outnumbered all of our Sunday adult services combined with our students. You know why? Because we were constantly looking to get better. We were constantly looking to get better. We, were, we, we felt like God had called us to that specific place for a reason and then one day God said I want you to start a church or I felt like God was calling me to that and you know how our church started with nobody showing up let me tell you let me tell you the first ever you know church experience we had at downtown community church because many nobody was there in fact I was the only one there and my best friends were the one invited by the way we tell this every newcomer or a new owner class First ever DCC thing we did, it was a morning time, and I was inviting my, I had three or four of my best friends, they were all pastors, youth pastors in town, I said, fellas, I want you to come, and I want you to just, you know, you don't have to be a part of it, I just want you to pray about it. I want you to pray about being a part of it, for sure, but I, I, as much as anything, I just want you to pray about praying about praying for me about it, you know what I mean, like, no, 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 you know, no real, you know, responsibility involved, no commitment, anything like that. So I got out that, that morning, and they had, you know, I texted them, and then I sent a reminder text, which if you know me, that's like a you know, praise report in and of itself. You know? And so I went, and I got eggs, and I got bacon, and I got orange juice and coffee. None of them drank coffee except for me, but I got coffee, you know, hash browns, the whole thing. And I'm up early, and I'm cooking, and I'm cooking. They're supposed to come over around 8.30. I'm cooking. I get up at like 7.30, which for a youth pastor, that's like another praise report in and of itself. So I'm up early, cooking, do all this kind of stuff. About 8.30, I'm like, okay, they should show up. About 8.45, I'm like, well, my friend's usually late. About 9 o'clock, I'm like, is anybody coming? The first ever church prayer meeting we had, I invited my four best friends or three best friends, and none of them showed up. That's all right. There are many other churches that had much better starts than we did. There are many churches where we started with one talent, and they started with 100 talents. They started with this incredible launch team. They started with this incredible ministry. They started with this incredible amount of capital behind what they're doing. They had years and years and years of salary built up. We didn't. We started by myself. But we grew. And as we were diligent, God gave us more. And as we were diligent, God gave us more. And you know the question that drives every leadership decision and every leadership discussion that we have now, we have never asked the question, how do we get bigger? We have never asked the question, how do we get bigger? The constant conversation for our church is how do we get better? 
How do we get better? How do we get better? How do we get better? Because if we get better at leveraging the skills and the gifts and the abilities of ourselves as leaders and the people that walk into our doors, our congregation will naturally get bigger. Because as we show diligence with what God has given us, He will be the one who supplies the increase. Even at times where it seems like you're decreasing. Even at times where it seems like like you're leading the biggest youth group in Tallahassee and you have a thing and you can't even get your best friends to show up to it. But God operates in areas of diligence. Let me just say, I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are. And I don't know what job you have. I don't know what gift it is that you have. I don't know what it is that you are just better than ordinary at. But let me tell you, if you fail to be diligent now, it's going to be very difficult for anyone to add more to. If you have a gift right now, if you have a ministry right now, if you even just have a couple friends right now who don't know Jesus, if you have something that you're good at vocationally, leverage it, leverage it, use it, use it. Because how this story ends, is, 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 is it's a little bit different than perhaps we would think. He said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you do not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here what you have is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant... You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have at least invested my money with the banker. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more. And he he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let me just tell you, let me just tell you, let me just close with this. You have a time, and you have money, and you have talent. Do not, do not, do not waste it because you were so focused on what you hope you'll have that you did not leverage it for what you have right now. I do not know the class that you're involved in. I do not know the workplace that you're involved in. I do not know the kids that you have. I do not know the clout. I do not know the availability. I do not know anything perhaps about your life. But here's what I do know. God has given you something, whether you are great in the business world, whether you are great in the medical world, whether you are an incredible teacher, whether you are an incredible communicator, whether you are the best worship leader since, you know, Chris Tomlin hit the planet, whoever it is and whatever you have to do. Let me just tell you, if you are not diligent now, you will never, you will never fully realize your God-given potential. And you only have one shot here on planet Earth. And more than that, God has given you a ministry to help the entire world to know about His Son, who we believe came to the Earth to reconcile a broken people. And how you live and how you manage your life matters to the people around you, seeing God. And knowing God. So please. Don't waste your life. And don't waste right now. Focusing on what you wish you were. What you wish you had. Where you wish you were. 
or what you might be someday. Because right now, regardless of how old you are, God is using this stage in your life to develop you for the next and the next and the next. And God has chosen you, chosen to use you to leverage what he's given you for his kingdom. And that is so much more valuable than any amount of money that this owner could have given to his servant. So use it. Don't waste it. Use it. Don't waste it. Leverage where you are, not where you want to be. Let's pray together.